This morning we are going to be in the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 1. My name is Casey Winsett. I'm the lead student pastor here at Geyer Springs. I know last time you saw my face, it was probably during Wakey Wakey. I was, you were being told that I'm goofy and things like that, so I, I want to kind of strip all of that away and, and be serious with you guys for a moment. In our New Testament reading plan, we have just finished this week 2 Corinthians and now going into the book of Galatians. I love when we get to start new books. It's kind of like crossing something off a list as we are going through the New Testament reading plan. If you are with us in the New Testament reading plan, continue. We're getting close to the end. If you have not been reading in our New Testament plan, I would just encourage you to continue to pick it up and then start reading with us. But this morning, we are looking at the book of Galatians. It's important for us to understand that the book of Galatians, Paul is writing this letter to the church at Galatia. What he's doing is he's making them aware of the truth of the people who are coming alongside them, and they have this alternative gospel that they're trying to present. And what they're saying is, here's the gospel and here's the truth, but we want to add some things to that. And church, it's important for us to also understand that we need to know what the true gospel is. And so what Paul's hope is in writing this letter to the church is to make them aware of what reality is and what the truths are. I think oftentimes in our daily lives, we hear all types of things from all types of people, whether it be on social issues, whether it be on preferences of life, whether it be who to vote for, whether it's toilet paper over or under, everybody seems to have a preference today. We love to talk about the things that we like, but what we have to understand is that some things in life have way more value than others. What we need to understand is how can we identify what truly has value in life. And so today our hope is this, as we look at Paul going through the book of Galatians, as he is telling them what has value and what the true gospel looks like, we can also understand the role of that in our lives. Many of us are familiar with the phrase, what hill are you willing to die on? And as I think about that, when I was younger, my parents used to say, is that the hill that you want to die on? Maybe it's an argument about something that I was probably completely wrong about, or maybe it was what we were going to have for dinner that night and things like that. See, some of us will die on just about any hill. We see people on Facebook that make comments and things like that that were like, probably wasn't worth that. But see, we see Paul in his life, and he was someone who was very selective on which hill he was willing to die on. Now, Paul was a man who had great flexibility, as we see throughout the Gospels. And we see that, that Paul was a man in his missionary journeys that, come, that would come to people and come alongside them, and he was willing to, to hear them out. But ultimately, he had this all-in approach to the Gospel. He never flexed on the Gospel. The Gospel was a hill that Paul was willing to die on. And he's offering this up to the church at Galatia. See, Paul has heard reports that these Galatians were believing and being influenced by these people that were called Judaizers. Now, Judaizers were these, these Jewish Christians that claimed that Gentiles needed to be circumcised and keep the law of Moses in order to be saved. And so what Paul was trying to do was make them aware that this is not the true gospel. See, these Judaizers, their hope was that they could form these narratives so that people would be more like them. But Paul saw this teaching as a very serious threat to the authentic gospel message that salvation is a free gift from God, which comes through faith alone and not works. I think that we fall victim to this as we try to look at maybe how we can earn salvation. A lot of times I have conversations with students that, 
they tell me things like, I don't know that I'm good enough to be loved by God, or, or how could I earn salvation? There, there's so many things that I have to do. And it's so important for us to realize that so many times we, we waste all of this energy and efforts trying to make God happy. And he says, I already love you. I don't need you to do all of these extra steps. I don't need you to do all these other things. And these Judaizers were coming along and saying, here's another step so that you can experience the true gospel. And Paul was just trying to make them aware of that. And what we need to do is stop being people who are wasting time dying on hills that are not valuable and start being people who are dying on the most valuable hills. So if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you, open up to Galatians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 6, verses 1 through 5. Paul is kind of greeting the church in this letter, but picking up in verse 6, listen to what he says here. He says, I am astonished that you were so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ, and you were turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you, who want to distort the gospel of Christ. In verse 8 it says this, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that is preached to you, let him be accursed. Verse 9 says this, And as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one that you received, let him be accursed. For I am now, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? And he ends, he ends verse 10 with this. He says, if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. See, we see immediately that Paul is holding nothing back from the audience. He's telling them that he is astonished that they're deserting him who called them into the grace of Christ and they're turning towards this different gospel. He's telling them that they are finding hope in things that are not hopeful. And what they're doing is that they're placing their value and worth in a completely different gospel than that of the genuine love of Jesus Christ and that was poured out for them. He's astonished because Paul has experienced firsthand the power of the gospel and it seems foolish for anybody to believe anything differently. And as we think about that, think about in our lives. What's something that you've experienced that you thought was good, but then you experienced something even greater? There's no going back from that. I remember when I was younger, my best mode of transportation was a bicycle. And I loved my bike, and it got me all over town, and into my friends' houses and things like that. But when I turned 16 years old and could get in a car, guess who wasn't riding their bike around town anymore? Me. Because I experienced something better. Or take it to when I went to college, me and my roommates would go to the grocery store, and we would buy steaks, and we were so excited. And we'd go back to our dorms, and we had this little this little charcoal grill, and we'd, we'd just stand out there, and man, we thought we were living good, cooking these steaks, we'd eat them, we were so fancy with our paper plates and our, our plastic forks, and as we sit out there in the parking lot just enjoying this food, we thought, how could it get better? Until I met someone named filet mignon, right? And as an adult, I now eat only filet mignon because I've tasted the best. Now, if you don't eat meat at home or you've never experienced a filet mignon, here's your first challenge this week. Do that. Enjoy that. It'll forever change your life. But as I think back to when I was in college, we bought these things called flank steaks because that's all we could afford. And we thought it was so great and so wonderful and nothing against flank steaks. But they're just not a filet mignon. And as I think about that, I can't now enjoy a flank steak without saying, you know, a filet's a little bit better. 
So Paul is passionate about the gospel, and I can't help but ask, when was the last time that we were truly passionate about the gospel? Like, church, think about when was the last time that you took a stand for the gospel that was rooted in the passions of your heart? I'm not talking about reposting a Bible verse, or I'm not talking about buying a picture at Hobby Lobby and hanging it on your walls for for this house we will serve the Lord, but like when did you truly stand up and be passionate for the gospel? Like when was the gospel, when was the last time that you were all in on the gospel? Something I think it's important for us to understand is that our passions shape our preferences. Like think about that, the things that you are most passionate about in life, they're the things that you prefer. You can come to my office, you can come to my house, and you can easily see what I'm passionate about. And the things that I'm passionate about are also the things that I prefer. It's the things that I prefer to talk about. It's the things that I prefer to spend my money on. It's the things that I prefer to spend time doing. So my question is this, is are we passionate about the gospel so much so that it influences the preferences that we have in life? Because if your passion is not in the gospel, your preferences aren't going to be there either. And what we do is we come to church and we have a church experience, but if our passion is not found there, and as we see in Psalms chapter 1, right, we take a delight in the law as we say, man, like we study this and I'm passionate about this and this forever changes me. So Paul goes on to ask this question. He says, are we seeking the approval of man? He says, am I seeking the approval of man or of Christ? He says, because if I'm trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And just a moment of honesty and transparency as a pastor on staff, a lot of times people will tell us, hey, that was great, or hey, probably shouldn't have said that. And I'm a person who is driven by words of affirmation. That is my love language. That is how I feel most loved by people. But I have to be sure that in my life, my goals, my desires are not driven so that I can be the, the person who is seeking the approval of man. I have to be the person who, when we prepare messages and things for students, it's not for their approval, but it's for the approval of Christ. This is something that every single day I have to wake up and ask myself, is this for the approval of myself and for man, or is this for the approval of Christ? What we need to do is we need to be people who are concerned with pleasing Christ, not man. We must remember our calling by God. And see, Paul does just that as we pick back up in Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. Listen to what he says here. He says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in my Judaism beyond many my own age, and among my people, so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. In verse 15, he says this, But when he who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his Son to me, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. And verse 17 says this, Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. And so we see that Paul continues to talk about how he was called by God. He goes back to his faith in the gospel. 
It's not from man. He says this gospel is from God, and I can take no credit for that. He says, but it's the one that he received through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul is recalling his conversion. If you're familiar, a few months back we read in Acts chapter 9, Paul's conversion story. A man named Saul, who who God comes along and does a miraculous work in his life. And I think that that is at the very front of his mind, as he thinks back to what it was like a life before Christ. And I love what Paul does in verses 13 and 14. He goes back to remind them that not only was he a former person before Christ, he lets them know and makes them aware of the familiarity of who they are and what their lives are like. I think a lot of times what we do as Christians is we forget what our life was like before Christ. We ultimately remember what it was like being a Christian, but sometimes we forget what our lives were like before Christ. And the the, the important thing to understand about that is, is that Paul is going back here to let these people know as he is writing this letter to to them, as he's writing this letter to the church, he's making them aware I used to be like this. I used to persecute the church. I tried to destroy it. And he says, and I'm coming to you in love. And sometimes we are the people who forget what it was like, and we're so out of touch that the people that we should be reaching with the gospel message, we miss those opportunities. See, Christianity cannot be an elite group where membership is limited. Instead, it needs to be a group of believers that desire for every single person that we come in contact with to experience the same love of Christ, the love that was poured out for us every single day. And and God's saying, I'm sending my son to live on this earth, to die a death, to be resurrected again so that you can experience this free gift, this gift that has been given to you. We have to do this on a daily basis. So what does this look like for us, though? What does this look like if we're going to take the true gospel to people who are around us. See, it looks like people coming into this church building that may not look like everybody else in the room. It looks like us welcoming every single person. Whether they have a mask, whether they have whatever, every single person welcomed in here and we say, we love you and we want you to experience the true gospel of Christ. That means sharing a meal with someone that you maybe wouldn't share a meal with regularly. It means that we are loving people for the sake of the gospel. And what God can do with that is some incredible things. It looks like refocusing your passions and ultimately aligning them with God's. In the final part of this passage, we see Galatians verses 15 and 17, and we see Paul is expounding upon the grace that was shown to him. We see his obedience to his calling. And see, Paul understood that the reason for his salvation had a greater purpose than just being a Christian. As I tell the students all the time, you're not just here on earth so that you can live a life. We are placed on earth so that we can go share the good news of Jesus Christ and that we can begin telling people the love of God and that we can experience discipleship so that I can tell people that can then tell people the good news of Jesus Christ. See, Paul took his salvation as a calling. He was obedient to that calling. It's not just a calling for pastors. It's not just a calling for deacons. It's not just a calling for people that are a certain age or or live in a certain zip code or anything like that. It is a calling of every single Christian. This morning as we wrap up, what I want to do is I want to offer you a challenge based on what we've read in the Scriptures. A few things this week. And the first thing that we have to understand is this, is that our passions 
shape our preferences. I want to encourage you to look at the things that you're most passionate about. For some of us, that is sports. For some of us, that may be politics. For some of us, that may be hobbies, collections, things like that. It may be grandkids and family and things like that. But how can we shape our passions around the gospel message of Jesus Christ? How can that then be what we prefer in life? The second thing that we have to understand is that the gospel makes us a former person. As we look at the life of Paul, as he's going on these missionary journeys, as he's going to these churches and taking a very bold stance, and he's like, listen, I know I'm not the guy that I used to be. And that is a testament to the grace of God. See, every single one of us, whether you are a believer or this is your first time, for whatever reason, you are hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. The old has gone away and the new has come when we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's important for us to know who we were without God so that we can truly enjoy who we are with God. And the third thing is this, is that the gospel gives us a fulfilled purpose. It's not a get-out-of-hell-free card. It's not, hey, I checked off that box and, and I got baptized. We have a purpose as believers in the church body to come together to share the good news of Jesus Christ and then take that out of these walls and take it to a lost and dying world. Like Paul, we have a responsibility with the gospel. As a born-again believer, we are called to take the gospel message out. And if we're honest, now more than ever, we live in a world and in a society that is looking for something to put our hope in. Everything is crazy. Everything is wild. Everything just seems to be out of whack. How good would it be to know that we can fully rely on God and say, God, this is, this is you. My passions are found in you. They're rooted in you. My desires are in you. And I just want to turn all this over to you the uncertainties that we have, that we face, I would encourage you more than ever to put our hope in Christ, not in man, not in anything else, but to put it in God. I feel as though some incredible things for the gospel can come out of all the difficulties that we're experiencing all over the world, but we have to be people who are willing and ready to do what God has called us to do. So let's reevaluate our passions. Let's not forget who we were before Christ, and ultimately, let's fulfill who God has called us to be. Listen, if you're watching for the very first time, you, you want to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we would love to help you with that. We have pastors here on staff at the church that would love to have those conversations with you. In a moment, we'll tell you how you can do that, but I just want to encourage you. There's so many things that we try to put our hope and our faith in, and God says this is the only thing worth putting it in. Paul is trying to let that be aware in his letter to the church of Galatia, and he's saying it's the true gospel that this has to be rooted in.